0: In today's organizations, workers desire and require clear goals that are connected to their passion. Leaders must help team members become so clear about a vision that it raises the hair on their arms. Staying on track to achieve these goals requires inspiration, motivation, ambition, and of course, momentum. Today's guest, Lori Michelle Levitt, also known as a pivot catalyst, provides leadership and software solutions to build and maintain momentum to keep teams on plan. With her direction and inspiration, she teaches teams how to move forward, test their measures in 90-day intervals, deal with any unsurfaced resistance, and gracefully pivot towards the next best steps as they team anywhere. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast here in San Diego, and on the East Coast in Virginia is (laughs) my amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia. Bianco Mathis. And you have an incredible guest to bring to the show today. Can you please introduce our guest?
1: Today, we have Lori Michelle Levitt. Lori is the founder and president of a bridge corporation. Her leadership services are delivered through business and performance coaching, leading peer groups, and consulting for M&A due diligence and turnarounds. Very impressive. And Lori has a wonderful book, The Pivot. Orchestrating Extraordinary Business Momentum. And in there, she presents an effective methodology for anyone aspiring to be a powerful leader, especially during these times of upheaval and a new global economic reality. And fortunately for us, she has a second book coming out, Pivot to Clarity, which we all want to hear about, and we will make sure that happens. So thus, I would like to introduce the pivot catalyst herself, Lori Mitchell. Love it.
0: Lori Michelle. It's Lori Michelle, right?
1: It is Lori yes, Michelle. it yeah. is. <laughs> Thanks, Thank <you>. Mitch. <laughs> Lori, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Well, let me begin by asking you, what have you learned over these past two years, given these times?
2: Well, you know, I'll split this into personal and professional, although in my life, they go together and what has happened has gone together. So personally, one thing that really grew in me, I don't say it's a change or necessarily a pivot, but it is empathy and patience because I had to have it. I was forced into it. And it's not until you're forced to say, do I have enough of this to really say, wow, I think I'm going to need to improve. And what I found professionally is that my team actually did better. So me having those strengthen led to the team being more engaged, feeling more empowered.
1: Wow. And
2: staying out of overwhelm, I would hope. So personally and professionally, those really helped. Of course, professionally, we also had to change how we did things. And so I run a virtual team. So doing that remotely is not a problem. Clients I typically meet with live as well as sometimes remotely. But I lead live all-day meetings, and those had to go online. Mm
1: -hmm. So what
2: changed, and this changed in my team as well, a lot more daily huddles and fewer to no long operational meetings. Just
1: kill them. Interesting. They drain it. Yeah. Big lesson there. And yet there's still folks who are still trying to put those back in, aren't they? People
2: will do that. I mean, people will do what you expect. So there is overwhelm because people are trying so hard. But if you really sit back and go, am I, how's my energy doing when I'm mm-hmm. in a remote meeting? And it's usually not very high. As a facilitator myself, I have to really work at how do I keep the energy high? And one of the ways is to
1: make a brisker
2: meeting that's shorter.
1: Love it. Well, let's get into the pivot. It has gotten some incredible reviews. And you have something in there called the aligned momentum. Can you share what does that mean? You know, what are the three key pillars of that? Sure. And thank
2: you for noticing the reviews. I'm lucky enough to have many guides myself. And they're just such wonderful models of aligned momentum or guiding other leaders in it. So, aligned momentum, as I was writing the pivot, which in my definition is many shifts by many people over time, and the leader is orchestrating that. So, it is not one of the reasons I wrote that book back in 2017, which of course I started well before 2017. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before we were using the pivot so often, it really is not a quick turn. Maybe in a new startup, when there's one, two, three people, everybody's on the same page, but if you're an organization, your pivot, even if you have a quick one, like some did during the pandemic of what they were going to produce, for example, it's not sustainable unless you do these things in your workplace. And so I came up, I'm a measurement person. And so I said, all right, so I'm going to talk about this orchestrated change. How on earth are organizations going to measure it? How do I measure it when I go into an organization? What am I looking for? And I realized that there are three key indicators. So that's probably the best way to describe it. Okay. And I'll first say what that destination is. When you're in a state of aligned momentum, Your organization, everyone is clear about where you're headed. They're committed to that. They're shared commitment. You're working together toward that better future. And that is when you can experience breakthrough performance. And so the Align Momentum Key Indicators, there are three that indicate that you are ready for brilliant execution. And there are three that indicate that you are moving toward a better future. And the first three are clarity, mastery mindsets, and nimble decision-making. And the last three are strategic thinking, talent adaptability, and coaching.
1: And so you're saying you need to put in infrastructures to then make those happen. And then those also become your measures.
2: Yes, and I use the word orchestrating because this is not a one and done project. This is the leader's role to continuously orchestrate having these indicators in their business because change happens all the time. You want everyone in your organization to be able to change, to have change just be a natural way of working there. Right. It's
1: not a push. It's just part of what people do. So, share with me a leader's chatting with you, and oh, I heard you've done great things. I wanted to put these six things in action. What do you do? How do you help that leader make that happen with his team, her team, especially it being virtual? Well, the first
2: thing we do is work with the leadership team to know where they are in this journey. Even the best leaders know that when a certain future requirement They may be at the very start. And so I'll just describe quickly what the pivot diagram looks like, the stages Mm -hmm. of it. So the very first stage is the start. And the start is that you have your organization, people trust each other, there's empowerment, those shared values, that foundational stuff, that if you don't have those in place, you can tell people what you want or give them a rah-rah meeting, but nothing is going to land because that is not in place. If that's where you are, that's where you start. There's no benefit to you to starting down the road at a different stage. The next stage is clarity and clarity to me is both getting clear. So a leader really needs to take the time and give others on the leadership team the time to go into deep thought, to truly get clear. And when I say truly get clear, I mean that kind of clear that makes the hair rise up on your arms, that yes, that this is where we're going. Not the, this is what our competitors are doing, so let's copy
1: it. This is what we want. This is the direction we're heading. How do you push a team or inspire a team to get to that kind of clarity?
2: And so first, you
1: got to get clear for
2: you. So if you are not inspired, then they won't be inspired. Some get to that point of being inspired themselves. They get clear and then stop. They're not sharing that level of clarity. They're maybe spoon feeding, Mm -hmm. commanding, expecting people to read their minds, or maybe they've said it once. Or maybe my favorite one is that they've translated all this into a budget. Everybody only sees a budget. And somehow they think that's inspiring. No, no one <laughs> has have been right. inspired by a budget. Right. The stage after that, I call nimble and focused. So <laughs> there are many companies who stay in that focus mode, that operational mode. And when you're always in that mode, it's really hard for change. That's when you drum up the fears of being blamed, the fears of conflict, all those fears c- come up even though you haven't intended it to, because you've had such an emphasis on doing something a certain way, the experts. And so I say focused and nimble because when you can be so clear, the people are clear also about the future and they want that too for themselves, and that aligns with what you need them to do for the organization, then they can change. They can be nimble. They can be thinking, all right, I did this yesterday. But is this thing I did yesterday going to really move us toward tomorrow? Yes or no? It only takes a second. I'm making it sound like it's hard. I mean, it only takes a second, but it takes the leader building that trust and trusting them
1: to create the empowerment and being clear. It's like that psychological truth that we all know that if I really want it, I will find a way. And that creates innovative thought. If you're telling me this is what you want, I'll find the obstacles. I'll be passive resistant. So yeah, turning that switch is the magic.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying that any of this is easy. And it's one of the reasons why I step in as a guide. Because it often takes someone from the outside to help them open their minds. The second book I purposely wrote with a little chaos in it. They're like, why is she telling this story? And I purposely did that because we need to disrupt how our minds work in these models and frameworks to think creatively and to be open and think about the future.
1: I love that. And I'm going to skip to something because I was reading it and that's when it really started clicking for me was the Alan Mulally story. And how he kept pushing and pushing in his questioning. Could you share a little yeah. bit about that, about what it takes to get to that clarity?
2: Yeah. So my second book, I have two stories of Alan Mulally because I think he is a fabulous model of aligned momentum. The first one is about getting clear and how did he get clear for himself? And was he willing to say no when it wasn't a yes? If yes. That makes sense. And for him... He was asked to be the CEO of Ford. And of course it was a great opportunity, but he didn't want to step in to be the leader of that and Ford was going bankrupt. So this was Mm -hmm. not like an easy (laughs) thing. It was quite the challenge. And he wanted to know that he truly could lead that. And so he stepped back and asked himself and he said, why is Ford going bankrupt? And the answer was because Ford is not making cars and trucks that people want to buy. Yeah, and, and so then he was a, no, it's because I don't know about cars and trucks. Right. How right. am I going to lead that? And then he thought further, all right, so why are they making cars and trucks that people don't want to buy? And one thought was that perhaps they're not working together. And he had assumed that they would be because when he was in charge of the Boeing 777, he followed the Ford Taurus way of working together. It was collaborative. Right. And so he stepped back. That just really nudged him. And he said, could it be that they're no longer worked together? And that excited him. That, even when I say it, I mean, I could feel how I would feel and the hairs rise up on my arms. Right,
1: right. That
2: was a yes to him.
1: Because he discovered the real underlying Yes. And issue of course, then he had to play. get
2: clear about what was going to be done next. You know What yes. did they need to do next?
1: Yes. Love it. So I get it clear with my team, with the Align Momentum, then what? They obviously get moving, just like in the Malayla story. Yeah. How do you make that happen as the leader?
2: Well, I want to mention the last stage because it's it's important and that is context. Mm -hmm. So what is the social and structural context within your organization? So that's the last stage that you would look at because oftentimes what happens, I think we have a safe place. I think we're being clear. I think we're focused and nimble but then things still aren't happening. And there's some context that's been set up in the organization that's causing
1: too much resistance to okay. the change. Right. And so the context is important. I guess you start again asking your questions about what's behind that resistance.
2: Yes. And just asking lots of questions of the organizations I'm working with and the teams, mm-hmm. whether it's directly or whether it's through assessments
0: and yes. gathering
2: all that information can really help identify what is your priority because we're all focused on just the best next step, wanting to determine where do you want to go in the future? But then when you discover what really is in the workplace, which of course is going to change over time, just like a manufacturing firm where you fix one bottleneck and there's another, that's how it works. You're always checking to see what stage are you at in these stages And just keep taking best next steps.
0: Can we go back a little bit to context? Can you give me some context on the context? Can you share a couple stories of when the context was off?
2: Yes. It was a small organization I worked with and it was entrepreneurial and the leader was a very personable person. So everybody loved him and yet it was also disruptive. And so people weren't getting their work done. And also, he didn't feel that they were understanding his direction, that he wasn't able to communicate clearly. So the structural context was such, or the first simple step was he moved his office. He moved his office so he wasn't just in the mix of things. And we don't always do that. I mean, oftentimes the reverse is the case. You move people from the 14th floor down closer to the other offices. But in this case, it benefited everybody for him to be a little further away. That's okay. the cultural context. The social context that we had to work on next, because to help him better communicate his strategy to action through others, he chose a particular person who absolutely was capable to do it, but the others weren't willing to have her do it, if that oh, makes sense. yes. So there's a social context running in that. I mean, that's not what we addressed first. We addressed what do we need to have happen? What are three things that will show us we've made progress? I would meet with people, I think it was 90 days from then. And at first they'd be grumble, grumble, grumble. And I'd say, well, did this happen? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, it did. And this, oh yeah, that's a lot better. And this, oh yes, that's a lot better. So all three happened then we could address the next thing that was harming progress, which was this social context.
1: All right. So what I hear from you, fabulous question, Mitch. Again, your guide are the six measures or some form of that. You keep going out and testing those, And when you ask people about those specifics, you are educating them to focus on those. Oh well yeah, now that you mention it, that was explained and we do now have that and so forth. And I love this in tandem, the action, the educating, the following up. Yes. It's so powerful. It could really
2: benefit any size of organization. It doesn't matter if they're all live or they're remote. It will depend on based on all these things, different companies will be in different stages. We'll have a different stage to work on and a different aligned momentum key indicator that's important. And they'll have different progress measures based on what they are working on.
1: Mm -hmm. And you give them this tree, this model to keep them on the journey. And you're constantly collecting data to feed back into there to know the next step to tweak and do is. Yes. I love that.
2: Over time, what you'll have is you actually help create that culture that's willing to change because you've also gained momentum because you're teaching people that if they just give these progress measures that you put in place for those 90
1: days,
2: then what they're grumbling about will be addressed next. But Ah, you're not going to
1: divert to that. Love it. Yes. Yes. That is so true because I have seen many organizations get diverted and now they're going down 10 paths, not that one path that if we were truly have the clarity and are supporting that could happen in 90 days. (laughs) Right. Well, I'm going to move a little bit to something you say in your new book and we can see how passionate you are about clarity. And so you decided One day to wake up and I'm only going to write a book only on clarity. You say that the brain blocks clarity and how leaders make mistakes is through default, not their faults. What do you mean by that?
2: Mostly those are called blind blind spots. Ah, And it's hard to uncover blind spots because we don't know what we don't know. It's not impossible. If you're an introspective, aware person, even without asking for feedback, if you see a theme in your life and you realize, wait, this gets happening to me, wait, I'm in every situation. (laughs) Maybe it's me. (laughs) It 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 can't be. (laughs) It takes that. But it helps. And you can move through that much faster and without so much pain of having that theme happen to you again and again and again. Yes.
1: By yes. By
2: having the vulnerability to ask for feedback. And that I've seen in different stages So you could have a one to one coach. I really like peer groups for this kind of discovery. Yeah, I noticed that. I love I, that. I really do. Because it's not just one person's opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: Truly modeling a culture that has both caring and confrontation in it. Yes. And so we speak truth in those meetings. And we're only there to help each other succeed. Now, if all organizations could be like that, great. But it's just not. There's just so many other agendas
1: in
2: the workplace. There's other agendas even with the kindest board you could have. So having a place like that is wonderful for uncovering blind spots. Mm-hmm.
1: Which then leads to my last question around language and communication techniques. You spend some time in your newest book talking about the different communication techniques that a leader can use to increase clarity, to get to the points you're talking about. Can you share a few of those? Well, sure. One is to get out of their
2: own way. Another is to kind of listen and learn about people so that you help them get out of their own way, to put it really concisely. Right. So how you get out of your own way is one, what we just talked about, getting over blind spots, giving yourself time to become aware of how you are and how you are isn't necessarily how you think you are. That's for sure. In the eyes of others. And I give a story in the book about David Potrick, who was really a go-getter at work, which I resonated with that because that's how I am. And it rubbed people the wrong way. Yep. And you're aloof,
1: you're alienating, I've heard it all. And he went through
2: a divorce and he thought, people just don't get me. So I'm okay, (laughs) but everybody else doesn't get me. He went to a therapist, which shows a sign of introspection, right? hey, maybe it's me. There's that little bit of awareness. Maybe it's me. And then he realized and with the help from his therapist that he didn't have a wife selection problem. He had a husband behavior problem. Right. And that's what he felt was also happening at work. And so he had the wherewithal to make shifts that he needed. And of course, that doesn't happen quickly either. You become aware and you give yourself the time to take the shifts you need to take yes. and you see progress over yes. the time.
1: And then as all three of us know, we probably have dealt with leaders who never get there and they have some decisions to make, right? This theme, however, is we are hearing constantly the becoming vulnerable, the self-knowledge to have a coach, to have a therapist, to do some introspective kind of exercises is becoming more of the norm. And that is something I am thankful for this whole pandemic thing. Final question, promise. In the work you've been doing, can you share a final story around here is a company we worked with that got it Mm -hmm. and here's the proof of that?
2: Well, I'm going to give you an example. And one thing that happens after a success is sometimes it still reverts. If that orchestration, yes, doesn't you happen. go
1: backwards a
2: little so bit. Yeah. I'll just tell you that it had a happy ending, and then the happy ending was unwound, which also happened at Ford after Malali. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you'd think that. that a way is ingrained, and then find out it's not. It well, it people change. And people change. In and organization. structure changes, that's context, yes. right? Right. So this case was a Indian nation, 5,000-member organization, a 700-business and government office, and the leader envisioned collaboration. And they weren't collaborative. Some toxicity. There's a lot of changing in positions, a lot of desire to have position, wonderful people. It's just, this is what they had in their organization. And he wanted to change things. And so we went through, we took them through realignment. It did include both structural and social changes. And we did that with a combination of live and remote work. So the work that we do with Align Momentum, and we have software that powers us. Oh, that's fabulous. It really helps us do this. Everything that I design software wise has always been built with anywhere in mind. You know, I saw this decades ago that that's what we needed, whether it was machines, whether it was people, organizations. And it's also always about performance momentum. It's not about management. So you can find tools for project management. You can find tools to see if people are doing the actual tasks that they're supposed to be doing. That's not us. We're about alignment, momentum, and vibrancy.
1: Interesting. So we go
2: into the organization and we worked with the leadership team so they could really voice what do they see in the future. You know, they're not used to doing that because for them, the future is laid out. We protect our ways and our people. That's what we do. And so they had to think a little bit bigger in order to come up with this vision that included how they work together and certainly it fit with what their purpose is, because their purpose had to do with serving their people and priorities weren't being met because of all of this stuff. We did assessments with them to assess the the team's assessment of the organization itself, the team's assessment of the team. And we came up with four measures, progress measures, just like the other example I gave. Yep. And I'll just wrap this up with a final testimonial from the chair who brought me in said that within six months, they had made more progress and they had been working on that for six years.
1: I love it. I am very enthralled that you have a tool that's totally built to measure this. And it's both the human interaction piece that is making it happen along with the benchmark of how close we're getting to that goal. Well, how do people get in touch with you? How do they get your books? Well, first, Ginny and Mitch, I just want to thank you for the very
2: insightful questions. You know, everybody wants to be noticed and understood. You both managed to do that virtually. So it is Great.
1: possible. See? Great. Okay. <laughs> so
2: the second book is just being launched. It can be found at PivottoClarity.com. a special landing page so that i can get gifts with an order and those gifts include a five week mini training session videos as well as a cool one sheet explanation tip and a call with me and you can find both books and actually there will be five more books so covering the first book and all six of the aligned momentum key indicators.
1: Fabulous. And so these first two can be found at the pivotbook.com. Excellent. And yes, you have a plan. You yeah. have an aligned plan. <laughs> That's yes, perfect. <laughs> Mitch.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Lori, Michelle. It's been great to really dig down into clarity. Yeah. And so now we're clear. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you, Jenny, for doing a great job co-hosting today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you've loved this episode, which we have, please share this with your friends, your colleagues, people you work with, people who need to know. And we look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere.